Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Now, last time, as you remember, Jill Graskowitz opened the can of Medicare alphabet soup, and now it's Kim's turn. Part A is an apple, B is in boy, part D. Medicare counselor Kim Scheffner will give us a brief overview of Medicare plans in a few minutes. Now back to Jill. I promise I won't end up in jail. And if I do, Robert, I, I know I can count on you for bail money. Well, um, if it's under $25, yeah. You see, Jill is going on a vacation with the girls. We'll hear about her plans in a few minutes. Then the mad hippie was in earlier to criticize my walking gait. Man, you're kind of working like a bird. Yeah, and it's because I used to live in Tennessee. The mad hippie will join us in about a half hour. Plus, Bob and Marsha Smith will join us with brain-strengthening teasers. Kendall Boyson will talk encouragementology and satisfaction versus dissatisfaction. And radio guru Dick Taylor will ask, are radio people the solution or the problem for the future of radio? And now we'll talk about the great wealth transfer on the news, which is next. Boomer News, I'm Robert Rickman. According to Wikipedia, the Great Wealth Transfer refers to an intergenerational wealth transfer that is underway in the United States, among other nations, with the baby boomer generation leaving significant wealth to their heirs. Now, baby boomers in the silent generation will bequest a total of $84.4 trillion in assets through 2045, with $72.6 trillion going directly to heirs. The transfer of wealth from baby boomers will account for $53 trillion, or 63% of all transfers, while the silent generation will hand down $15.8 trillion. But the Bank of America notes that over the last 40 years, there was an even more massive wealth transfer from the government to the boomers. Boomers have been the biggest beneficiary of massive wealth transfer. Look up and around. Look at some of the objects around you, the people. Are things looking a little hazy, not quite in focus? Well, Dr. Nicholas Bazin and his team at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine are studying age-related macular degeneration. That's AMD. It's a major cause of vision loss in older people. Now, your eye is like a camera. At the back of it, there's a part called the macula, which helps you see clearly. Degeneration damages the macula, and the central vision becomes blurry or dark. This doesn't lead to complete blindness, but makes everyday activities like reading and driving incredibly challenging. Now we come to fatty acids, which are essential in maintaining our eye health. One fatty acid is called DHA. According to the Bright Focus Foundation, nearly 20 million adults in the United States are living with some form of AMD. Not just a concern for Americans, around 200 million people across the globe are navigating through life with this eye condition. And that particular fatty acid, if there's not enough of it, might cause AMD. From our eyes to our brains, the Alzheimer's Association reports that Alzheimer's disease is a progressive form of dementia that affects nearly 6.5 million people in the United States. It involves parts of the brain that control thought, memory, and language. It begins with mild memory loss and can lead to losing the ability to carry on a conversation and respond to the environment. 
Memory problems are one of the first warning signs of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, and people with the disease can eventually lose the ability to carry on a conversation and respond to the environment. Now, some of the things you need to do in order to keep yourself healthy is if you have diabetes, try to maintain a healthy weight. Diabetes can lead to Alzheimer's or it could aggravate it. Healthy eating and regular physical activity can help you maintain a healthy weight. So you need to be also physically active. Physical activity can improve thinking, reduce risk of depression and anxiety, and help you to sleep better. And if you smoke, quit it. Quitting smoking now may help maintain brain health and can reduce your risk of heart disease, lung disease, and other smoking-related illnesses. Avoid excessive drinking. If you drink, do it in moderation. Prevent and correct hearing loss. Make sure to talk to a hearing care professional to treat and manage hearing loss because some of that has been linked to Alzheimer's. And then get enough sleep. A third of American adults report they usually get less sleep than the recommended amount. How much sleep do you need? It depends on your age. If it seems overwhelming to make all these changes at once, try making them gradually. This from the American Heart Association. Researchers have long understood that people with chronic health conditions, such as heart disease, are at increased risk for depression. The same may be true for people with COVID-19 symptoms that linger for months and sometimes years. I've got some of those long symptoms. It affects my memory. An estimated 28% of U.S. adults who have had acute COVID-19 infections say they have experienced long COVID at some point. Long COVID occurs when a constellation of symptoms persists following the initial disease. It's more prevalent among people who are older, female, hospitalized, and unvaccinated. Symptoms vary but may include fatigue, I've got that, brain fog, that too, dizziness, gut problems, heart palpitations, sexual problems, change in smell or taste. I had lost the taste for popcorn for about six months. Thirst, chronic cough, chest pain, muscle twitching, and the worsening of symptoms after any type of physical or mental exertion. Now, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in June issued an advisory warning that long COVID can have devastating effects on the mental health of those who experience it, as well as their families. Quote, stemming from the illness itself, social isolation, financial insecurity, caregiver burnout, and grief. It has been linked to fatigue, sleep disturbances, depression, anxiety, cognitive impairment, and post-traumatic stress disorder, among other conditions. Unquote. Now let's turn to something else. It's time to open a can of alphabet soup, courtesy of Medicare and our local state health insurance assistance program counselor, Kim Scheffner. Um, Medicare, we have four parts actually. Part A is an apple, B is in boy, part D, and part C is in cat. Part A is your um, hospital, um, skilled nursing, and hospice. Those pay for those benefits. Part B is in boy. Uh, those are things for like the ER, lab, x-ray, doctor visits, physical therapy, those kinds of things. Part D is in dog is your prescription plan. Um, and part C, as in CAT, those are your Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, those are the plans that have part A, B, and D all combined into one. 
Um, they may have extra dental and vision plan benefits on there. Um, they work well in areas that are heavily suburban and urban because there's many uh, facilities and pr practitioners and providers and hospitals that contract with them. Uh, but unfortunately, down here in Southern Illinois, we do not have those physicians and providers and practitioners and hospitals to fill those networks. Um, unfortunately, even on the dental, we do not have the dentists to fill those networks. Um, and um, so down here in Southern Illinois, it's it works best for people to have original Medicare Part D and um, a Medicare supplement plan. You don't have to get a Medicare supplement plan. Um, it is required by law for uh, participants to keep Part A, B, and D in effect, those premiums paid, and keep them in effect. Otherwise, you can incur, incur penalties that may last the rest of your life in addition to paying the premiums for those things. Uh, typically, Part A is premium-free. If you have worked 40 credits, it's premium-free. Part B is in boy. Uh, that has a yearly premium. The premium for uh, 2023, um, actually the premium for 2024 is going up to $174.70. For 2023, it was $164.90. Um, and uh, Part D, of course, you may, if you have extra help, you may have a zero premium, but I have seen Part D premiums be from zero all the way up to $130 a month, and that just all depends on your income and what type of prescriptions you are taking. Uh, the um, Part B, uh, Part D premium for uh the Part D premium for 2024 has is going up to $545 per year. 2023, it is $505. Um, the Part B deductible will be going up to $240 for 2024. All right, looking at um, Medicare Advantage, uh, because this is broadcast all over the country, and Southern Illinois is a rural area, would you say that this also applies the problems with Medicare Advantage, not having the doctors and dentists, et cetera? Do you think this applies to rural areas all over the country? Oh, absolutely, because um, rural areas traditionally lack the providers, the hospital systems and the practitioners and providers and physicians um, in rural areas. Um, and that's why the federal government and the state have special rural health care systems that try to make up for, th for that lack of those providers and health care systems. Medicare Counselor Kim Scheffner of the Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, located in Southern Illinois. And what Kim just said applies nationwide. The state health insurance assistance program called SHIP is located in every state of the union. And you can talk with the SHIP counselor for free. To find the SHIP counselor in your state, contact your local senior center, regional agency on aging, a library, or your state government website. Here in Southern Illinois, you can call Egyptian Area Agency on Aging at 618-985-8311 or visit the website. Egyptian Area Agency on Aging, that's EgyptianAAA.org. And you can talk to a ship counselor for free. Okay, Boomer. Okay. I don't know how often I've worked preparing OK Boomer with Robert that I didn't like the audio level of the segment, the fumbling around a little bit, or one of my contributors wasn't perfect, or the coffee was rancid, or 
Well, it all spells dissatisfaction. Kendall Boyson is now hard at work at drawing smiley and non-smiley faces next with encouragementology in the subject of dissatisfaction. Hi, Robert. On this show, we are checking the emotional chart, circling the face that closely describes how we're feeling as we attempt to solve the conundrum about dissatisfaction, trend or choice. What do you think? Are you choosing to be dissatisfied, purposely turning your smile upside down and avoiding any joy as you struggle to remain unhappy? Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about and that's great. It means you're in the shrinking percentage of people who are actually satisfied with their life, personal and professional. But if not, let's get to the root of it. What gives? Benjamin Franklin said, let thy discontents be thy secrets. If the world knows them, twill despise thee and increase them. I tend to agree. Discontentment can spread like a nasty infection. Someone who's mildly discontented needs little push over the edge to full-on dissatisfaction. And what does that get you? In my personal opinion, it makes a very large hole that is harder, if not possible, to crawl out of. Ever heard Misery Loves Company? If the bandwagon passes by, let it pass, instead of flagging it down. First and foremost, happiness and satisfaction are conscious choices. Will there be trials and tribulations? Of course. But what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison to what lies inside of you, said Ralph Waldo Emerson. Whether you're curious or frustrated by the situation that surrounds us, let's take some time to figure some things out. I, for one, choose happiness. Now, I don't have a t-shirt or a wall hanging or a pillow that expresses these sentiments, but it's just who I am, and I've said it over and over again. It's purely selfish. I hate to be in a bad mood. I really do. I, I don't mind an occasional sad day. You know, the kind where you like to eat really bad food for you, maybe stay in bed, have people wait on you and feel sorry for you. I do like those days every now and then. But the majority, 99.9% of the time, I like to be in a good mood. So if I can't fix it, I just let it go. So anytime I run across an issue, I do have a moment of problem solving. Sometimes it's a longer than a moment, but I initially try to figure out what can I do to get over, around, under, however I'm gonna deal with this challenge. If I find out that it's out of my control, nothing that I can actually impact in any way, then I just let it go. Now, some people think that's crazy. I just let it roll off my back, but it's purely selfish. I don't like to be in a bad mood. I don't like to be down. I don't like to hold grudges. I don't like to be angry. I just don't. Now, some people do, and they hold on to that anger as this badge of honor. You know, I'm doing something about it because I'm mad, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make everybody else mad. I want everybody else to feel what I'm feeling and take it Uh, seriously and stand behind me. Negativity spreads like wildfire. I've already said it, misery loves company. But imagine how quickly negativity can spread. So sometimes when I talk, I talk about energy. 
and your ability to share energy and impact other people. It's one of those things that we don't even really think about. We just do it. And it can impact somebody in a positive or a negative way. So think about it. You're having a good day. You're choosing happiness. You wake up. This is how you're going to be today. Everything that you see is slanted with that idea. If something looks wrong, you're looking for the right. You're turning your frown upside down, and you're trying to see the positive aspects of everything. Then you meet someone, eh, they're kind of on the fence. They're not really feeling it today. They're sort of in the middle. And you have a chance to spread sunshine, as crazy as that sounds. You can really impact their day, totally change their trajectory just by picking them up and spreading your positivity. Now you go back along your day, maybe spreading more to other people, but that person that you've just turned around for the day is also sharing it. Think about how quick that can catch fire. Now, in the same aspect, you can share it negatively. So if you're harnessing all this negative energy, you're mad about it, you're just ruminating over it, you know you can't fix it, it doesn't matter, you're just mad, and you share that with the person that's on the fence. Well, now you got a bad buddy who's now sharing that negativity and it's spreading faster than you can keep a hold of. Think about that. Be intentional. Also, if you're not feeling well, pick yourself up by picking others up. Serving others in a positive way, whether it's just eye contact and a smile, opening a door for someone, helping somebody with a project, or something even more significant, you can really turn around and lift your own spirits by helping someone else. You know, there is such power in connections. I stumbled upon that years and years ago, and I really didn't think about it. I've always been a super social person. I've always had a job where I've been out and about and meeting people, talking to people all day long. You know, I started thinking about not only our our seniors that are in facilities, but the seniors that might have just retired. They're at home. They're trying to adjust to this retirement lifestyle, all this extra time on their hands, but yet not the same structure or routine or connections because they're not going into the office, they're not having meetings, they're not selling things, they're not inspiring or influencing decisions. They're just on their own. Now, some of these seniors have great uh, social circles. You know, they play golf, they have dinner parties, they're involved in a lot of volunteerism, but there are some that really kept their head down and just worked their whole life, got into this routine, and then all of a sudden they look up and here they are retired and they're not really sure what to do with their time. You know, so many times we say, gosh, when I retire, I'm going to do all this stuff because I'm going to have all this extra time. And then you find out, whoa, what do I want to do with all this extra time? And now they're struggling to have the confidence to go out and meet people and get involved, a lot of self-doubt. You know, maybe they don't want to hear from me. Maybe they don't, you know, won't value what I have to say or, or the input that I could give. So I challenge you, feeling satisfied personally or professionally comes from within. Your perception of any situation directly affects your reality. Take time to trace the source of your dissatisfaction and change your situation by adjusting your perception. 
I know you can do it. Back to you, Robert, and OK Boomer. OK, thanks, Kendall. And I started to get my act together this week by phoning someone I dreaded to call, the Mad Hippie, and we'll hear him at, at coffee break time. Next on OK Boomer, media guru Dick Taylor asks whether I am the problem or the solution. And Dick is talking about radio. Are radio folks the solution or the problem to the future of radio? I originally wrote about this subject about four years ago, and since that time, I've noticed that when I publish a new article about radio, people seem to fall into one of two different camps. There are those who say radio's days are numbered or over, and those who think that going back to the way it was will solve everything. Albert Einstein once said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. When I think back to the days when AM radio rocked my world, to today where Alexa serves up whatever my mood desires, much has changed. Which brings me back to taking another look at that question. Are we the solution or the problem when it comes to the future of radio? I think commercial radio has three main areas of dysfunction. I'm sure you have your own thoughts on this, but the sense I have from reading articles about today's radio industry from all over the world, along with reader comments to my blog, that these three things are very important to the future of radio. Commercials. Number one. Radio's commercial spot loads are too big. The 60 and 30 second commercial lengths are over. Radio needs to rethink the way it monetizes itself over the air and the creation of those radio ads needs to become a specialty once again in every radio station. The second thing is companionship. Alexa's convenient and I even chat with her sometimes, but I don't consider her a companion. Radio needs to fulfill that social need for the listener. And the third thing is quality versus quantity. The radio industry is focused on consolidation, where a few large media companies control more frequencies. When the game today is all about providing a better experience. Quality over quantity. The original benchmarks of radio, like weather, breaking news, school cancellations, for example, all today are much more efficiently handled by other media platforms. Radio needs to rethink what it is that it does that others can't and then do it. Radio needs to complement today's other forms of media as it's no longer the sole source of information. When a British online magazine asked men and women about their 20 most prized possessions, the one thing that never got mentioned was owning an AM-FM radio. Televisions and smartphones, however, made the list. The Council on Foreign Relations tells the story of radio's impact on the world this way. Italian inventor Marconi received a U.S. patent for radio technology in 1904. Three years later, he claimed to have sent the first transatlantic radio signal. Radio was the first technology that could instantaneously communicate to a mass audience because it allowed continuous up-to-date news and entertainment for people regardless of their income or literacy levels. It became immensely popular. 
In many parts of the world today, radio remains a dominant source of news and entertainment. It is considered to be the most important means of mass communication, for example, in Africa, where literacy rates are relatively low and electricity access is inconsistent. In 2010, an estimated 44,000 radio stations operated around the globe. How did we squander such a dominating position in people's lives so that we are no longer considered a prized possession? It was seven years ago that I wrote a blog titled Out Damned Spot that talked about how listeners hated the large amounts of advertising commercial radio aired each hour. Yet, here we are, 2023, and radio station commercial loads have increased. I'm sure you've noticed that YouTube offers viewers a chance to skip ads when you are looking to play a video. That should be a hint that massive commercial breaks are over. Likewise, ads that are out of place on targeted radio formats should be banned. Creativity in radio spot creation is virtually non-existent. Once upon a time, program directors for radio stations had the final say about everything that went on the air. We need those kinds of gatekeepers back. And if all of this is important to our AM-FM radio signals, it becomes even more critical for our radio streams over the Internet. Radio has the power to own the communities that it operates in and provide real companionship for the listener. Pure Play streamers can't and won't be able to do this, as they also lack personality. Alexa and Siri will never enter the Radio Hall of Fame. I rest my case. Thank you very much, Dick. And you can check out Dick Taylor's blog by going to dicktaylorblog.com. That's all small letters together. dicktaylorblog.com. Okay, boomer. All right, let's get up. Oh, it always hurts. And walk to the coffee machine. Hey, dude. Huh? You're walking kind of funny. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. That's the way I normally walk. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Where are you from, man? Well, I I lived for 22 years in Tennessee. Uh, That explains it, man. You're kind of working like a bird. No one ever told me I walked like a bird. What kind of a bird am I walking like? Well, you're from Tennessee, so a Tennessee bird. Take away the trees and the birds all have to sit upon the ground. Out of the past, Jack Blanchard and Misty Morgan from 1970.
Well, Jill Graskowitz is standing by and holding for what? Well, thanks a lot, Robert. I know you're a little bit jealous. Uh, I don't know if you see my bags packed over here. Yes, yes, I see them. But I am ready to go. To the bathroom? Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'm, uh, I'm going on vacation, um, but I'll be back. Don't worry. Um, well, tell me more. So each year, my uh, two girlfriends and I, we go somewhere on vacation. We deserve to indulge. We deserve a little bit of luxury and a little bit of me time. Now, I know that times are tight and, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of extra spending money. But this doesn't mean that, that you can't treat yourself. It is important to keep yourself first, not only financially, you know, pay yourself first out of your paycheck before you pay bills and, and all of these other things that people buy, but to also treat yourself first and take good care of your mind, body, and soul. Now, going on vacation doesn't necessarily mean that you have to travel hours and hours on expensive airlines and go to these luxurious resorts or take a cruise. You can go on vacation with two girlfriends just by going to the local hotel down the road and spending one night together, laughing and having fun. Uh, same for you guys, too. You know, I mean, I, I don't know about guys and wanting to share a hotel room and stuff, but I mean, I'm sure you guys do it. You guys go to like hunting lodges and things like this and do whatever you do. I mean, I only know the girl part of it, but... I can tell you on this vacation, we're so excited because no makeup, we're only bringing moo-moos, one bathing suit, and all we're going to do is lay around, laugh, and eat. We have even made a list of topics that we want to discuss from gossip, which uh, yes, I know we shouldn't gossip, but you know, uh, sometimes we need some entertainment. And that list also includes um, skincare products that, you know, we're learning from our children and our grandchildren. Like, hey, I uh, didn't put anything but moisturizer on my face. And uh, my granddaughter is now talking about putting snail mucin. Like, what the heck is that? Um, putting that on her face. And, you know, I mean, these kids have beautiful faces, great glowing skin. I'll do anything I can to spare a wrinkle or two. We're going to eat. Oh, we're going to eat so good. And this may just be the snacks. Uh, my friends told me they needed the three Bs. And while I'm not a drinker, um, I will oblige to them. It makes no difference to me. Um, I have a high uric acid, as you've heard me talk before, um, so I just don't want the gout. Um, but they told me, uh, because I will be arriving first, get the three Bs, beer, bread, and butter. And let me tell you, us three girls can survive off of bread and butter for days. It is so great. So we're going to sit around and laugh and have a good time, no judgments, we're going to let it all hang out. One of my friends told me, she said, I'm going to bring a bikini. 
I said, I don't care what you bring. You can go skinny dipping for as long as, as far as I care. I mean, I've got bail money. I'll bail you out. Um, but you know, we're not going to judge. We're not going to pick up guys. We're just going to have a good time and just rest and relax and treat ourselves. I think it's very important to keep close relationships and have something to look forward to with friends. And these friends of mine have been friends of mine since grade school. No, we don't see each other every day. We do not live close to each other. One friend of mine lives um, in St. Louis. The other friend of mine lives in um, Wisconsin. And um, we text we call each other every now and then, but this is not a day-to-day, I'm going to come over to your house and sit down um, type of thing. We don't even go out to eat together. Um, we watch our children grow up through Facebook. Um, we're going to have a lot of, of talks about motherhood and growing older and our parents who are our boomers and how we're going to take care of them and some of the, the problems that we're seeing with them and how we can be a bigger help. So this trip is, is just going to be so wonderful. We did this last year and it was phenomenal. I can't tell you, um, it, it is like a, a Hallmark movie. We stayed up late I mean, I think it was like two or three in the morning. We're finally laughing like a bunch of, of old hens around uh, this couch. And we're finally like, I'm so tired. And we only had one uh, king bed. And we just all piled in it. We didn't care. I mean, that was the beauty of it. And we looked back and we thought, oh, my gosh, that is so fun. So we decided to make this a yearly thing. So each year we're going to decide somewhere, whether it is in the middle for all of us or um, this year we're going to Florida. Um, Next year, another girl is going to pick and um, she's picking Arizona. I've never been to Arizona before, Um, but this is a very quick um, kind of a a long weekend, Uh, just, you know, two days, one day to fly home. And um, it is going to be a really good time. So I encourage you, male, female, young, old, I don't care if you are 99 and in the nursing home. Take a trip down to another room and set it up like you're in a fancy hotel, paint each other's toenails, talk some gossip about the other residents, eat some candy bars, And laugh like there's no tomorrow because life is short, people. And you surround yourselves with those that you love and those that give you a good feeling about yourself and will have a good time with with you and won't judge you. And this is more of what we need. This is feeding our body and our soul and friendship, just socialization like this to just cut back and let loose is beautiful. And I just cannot wait. So bon voyage. I will see you next week and I'll let you know how my trip goes. 
And we might be hearing from Joe's parole officer. That said, Joe Graskowitz is the director of Club 60 in Marion, Illinois, and is a former nursing home administrator. Next, we join a 24-year-old kid who worked in radio, but the kid had an attitude problem, and I think he still does sometimes. Let's return to the year 1976 and join the RRP once again. As we explained last week, the RRP stands for Roger Ramjet Productions, and the Jet got his name because he resembled the cartoon character Roger Ramjet. Now, in its fifth year, guest of Ramjet. RRP now proudly presents the tape casting industry's longest-running interview show with Roger Ramjet. Well, thank you very much, and welcome once again to another edition of Guest of Ramjet from our newly remodeled studios here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. This being the second edition of the program since uh, we moved to Cedar Rapids. And uh, we are happy today to welcome as our guest on the program, Bob Rickman. What uh, What do you have to say about your time at Whidbey? Do you have any exciting times there you'd like oh, to tell us real- about? Real son of a gun is a was he operations director? Ram, Roger uh, Davis. I forget no. the guy's name. He's no, I, that was wit. That was at. Uh, you were, uh, yeah, you were was you. I guess for part of the time I was station manager. All, all the time. Yeah. Did you do anything constructive? No. I don't remember that you did. No. <laughs> IDB was fun. Nice. It was. It was a lot of fun. We, yeah, IDB was another matter. Yes. It was. It had about. The equipment cost about five times as much as all the stuff in Wizu and half the radio stations in southern Illinois, yet it only went to about three radios on the whole campus. Yeah, on a good day with the wind blowing in the right direction. And if no one was using electric razors. Yeah, but uh, it was fun to fool around. Why don't you talk about Otto the dancing orangutan? Otto the trained or, bear? Or trained oh, bear. Lord, no, we don't want to bring up Otto the trained bear. Those were the days of radio. I remember I was at one of your parties once. <laughs> and you were taping it, sneaky guy. If you ever go to WRRP, as soon as you walk into the apartment door, just consider yourself on the air. <laughs> yeah. Beware this, of open mics, yes. At this, uh, this party, I don't know if you remember that, but I had a few too many, which par for the course. And, yeah. And I saw this snake, and I was just about to jump on it till. Until somebody told me it was not a snake, it was a microphone at the end of a court. <laughs> so I picked it up and I said, Hi, this is Robert P. Rickman here, and I'm going to interview my beer glass. And I did. Yeah, that, uh, we'll have to check that out. If we can find that, we'll have to play the uh, famous uh, beer glass interview here on the RRP. It, I, I heard that they were going to try to sell it to CBS, somebody. Uh, Dan Rather was interested in it, but, you know. Thus far, nothing's thus far, come nothing, of that. No, huh? no, so... I remember once, we always ask for words of wisdom from guests, and I remember once that, that you wrote me a letter saying that Wish You was now stereo. Uh-huh. And your infinite words of wisdom, thus allowing the student to make abominable mistakes in not one, but two channels. That's right, and now it's quad. <laughs> <laughs> But, what other words of wisdom do you have for the well, thousands of listeners listening here along the RRP radio network line? Well, now that Wish You is in four channels, you don't need one student to make mistakes four ways. You can have four of them simultaneously, <laughs> four different channels, make, or four. groups of them, you know? Making four, four different, different mistakes. You know? And believe me, the way that equipment is set up, there's plenty of room for it. 
Oh, geez. Well, listen, uh, Bob, it's been nice to chat with you here on the network. Well, it's we, nice uh, to be on the program, Rog. We, we always enjoy uh, talking over old times, of which you would be out of the train bear notwithstanding. And uh, my guest here has been Bob Rickman, and I am the Jet. Listeners are reminded, guest of Ramjet is a tapely feature which solicits the opinions of the management of Roger Ramjet Productions and in no way reflects the views of Mr. Ramjet or his guests. Responsible groups will be given ample time to respond in this network by writing Guest of Ramjet in care of Roger Ramjet Productions. Check the yellow pages of the phone book for the branch office nearest you. This is RRP. WRRP, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, the <laughs> tape casting alternative. I didn't even remember that interview. I didn't remember it all until he said it to me. Uh, I wrote a novel about my experiences at Southern Illinois University. I'm not going to try to advertise it here on the air. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. But um, I did uh, take Roger Davis, whose persona was Roger Ramjet, and change his name a little bit to Ronald Ramjet. And I included him here in this novel, which I have here. And i got to find the page. With... Yeah. I thought I, I made a... Damn, I, I wrote this thing. I didn't memorize. Oh, here it is. Um, this uh, was in one of the chapters where Ronald Ramjet takes Peter Federson, that is someone who is based loosely on me, out gut bombing. Gut bombing was part of the RRP, Roger Ramjet Productions. What he would do is whatever city he was working in, he would go to, say, Hardee's or McDonald's and do a restaurant review. Anyway, he takes uh, Peter to uh, one of the uh, gut bombs, and they do a restaurant review, which is put on the RRP. Anyway, in this novel, and I'm quoting this, and the RRP would continue well into the 80s with gut bombing it in Mason City, Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Omaha, and half a dozen other cities in the Midwest, and all of the tapes would be carefully stored by the beginning of the 21st century, so that they would be preserved for historians to find as examples of one of the true geniuses of 20th century radio, who broadcast innovative programs that never got on the air. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> okay, Sharon. Oh, oh, no, yes, the name of my novel is Saluki Marooned. Cordettes have two songs on my favorites list, and this is the second of them. This song was written by Julius Dixon and Beverly Ross. They had written together before and had a songwriting session scheduled, but Julius showed up late. His reason? His daughter had gotten a lollipop stuck in her hair. Beverly centered in on the word lollipop and wrote a song around it. The Cordettes took the song to number two, their last top ten hit on the pop chart, the song also went to number three on the R&B chart, their only song on that chart. R-R-P. Here's the Cordettes and Lollipop. Lollipop, lollipop, oh lolly, 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 lollipop, 
Bob and Marsha Smith, up right now. Okay, let's get going with some good trivia here on Hey Boomer. This is Bob Smith along with Marsha Smith with some fun facts for you today. Okay, Marsha, here's a question on art. Okay. How did the first painting acquired by the Museum of Modern Art influence cinema history? It's an Edward Hopper painting. Yeah, was it the lunch counter there in the evening? Well, if it was the lunch counter... Nighthawks. If it was Nighthawks, how did that influence cinema history? I'm trying history? to think. Did it a film noir? No. I don't know. The first oil painting acquired by MoMA, by Edward Hopper, was his 1925 painting, House by the Railroad. And if you look at it, it's instantly recognizable as the inspiration for the Bates family home. I was going to say Psycho. In Psycho, right. Yeah, the architectural style of the house, the perspective, the use of light, unmistakable. They all mirror what's seen in Alfred Hitchcock's film. All right, Bob. A famous singer dubbed Miss Piggy's singing voice in the Muppet movie. A famous singer? You mean Miss Piggy didn't do it herself? <laughs> who was it? Whose voice was singing Well, that it? would be singing in falsetto. It's a, is it a man who uh, sings it? Yes. Johnny Mathis. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> Johnny Mathis? Yeah. The singing voice of Miss Piggy in the Muppet movie? Yeah, we love that movie. I'll be darned. How did we know? That's a great piece of trivia. <laughs> Chances <laughs> are... <laughs> Yeah, sing some of the hits as Miss Piggy. Oh, my goodness, that's funny. I wonder why they went to him. I'm sure there are character voice specialists who could have done that. Yeah. Why Johnny Mathis? I don't Not know. The, nothing against Johnny Mathis. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. All right. Now, you know that there are U.S. mints in various places in the United States. Yes. If you, you look at coins, some of the pennies, you'll find an S, San Francisco mint. So, tell me, why is there a U.S. mint in San Francisco? It was there for a specific reason. Because uh, the gold? That's right. The gold rush. Uh-huh. When the gold rush hit, the U.S. government wanted a branch there to buy the gold from the California gold miners. They wanted to get control of this gold. And the branch of the mint opened in 1854. They paid miners the official rate of $16 per ounce. The gold could be sold higher on the open market, but the price could also go as low as $6. 
First year of operation, the San Francisco Mint produced $4 million in gold coins. That's a lot back in those days. Within just two years' time, it had produced $24 million in gold coins. That's why they wanted a mint there. They wanted to get that money in the government. Can you name uh, the richest countries in the world, Bob? Well, you always think United States is one of those. This is a 2022 numbers here. Okay, what are they? Uh, China is number one with $113 trillion net worth. Wow. I know. It's more than twice the United States, which is $50 trillion. Hmm. And then tie for third and fourth is Germany and France, both at $14 trillion. So it's China, the U.S., and then what are the other two? Germany and France, which Germany are tied for France. third. That's surprising. I don't, yeah. don't think of France as an economic powerhouse. I think of Germany that way. Yeah. They're yeah. close. It's, yeah. Interesting. It is. Remember when Alfred Hitchcock had that show on TV and sometimes in his movies, there would be this famous signature line drawing of his yeah, profile. Yeah. What artist did that? Oh, that's an interesting question. Was it a fine artist or was it somebody like the guy over at New York Magazine? It was a famous guy <laughs> who had an art background. <laughs> it was Hitchcock himself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. His background included drawing, painting, and advertising graphics, and he was an art director in early silent oh, so films. He did, he did his little profile. Uh, he did his, pro- own, profile. his own profile. He started out doing title cards in silent films in Britain, the cards they used to put in their okay. dialogue. That's how he got his start. Isn't that funny? That's how people break into different uh, fields like that. Yeah. Okay, we're talking nicknames. There's top 10 nicknames of all time. Well, Bob has got to be number one. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going to give you uh, the nickname of a few people, and you tell me who it is. The Bard of Avon. Bill Shakespeare. Yeah. William Shakespeare. Billy. And here's one you should know, the Wizard of Menlo. Oh, that's uh, Thomas Edison. Correct. The Dopey One. The Dopey One and Mr. Dullard. Mr. Dullard. Albert? The dopey one. I keep thinking of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Albert uh, Einstein. Dopey Do- one? Yeah. That was his nickname? Yeah. Well, that was. Uh, those were nicknames, yes. That it's, he had? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't know. Chairman of the board? Not a hard one. Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Old Blue Eyes, the Sultan of Swoon, Swoonatra, and The Voice. He had a lot of them. <laughs> the Sultan of Swoon. You know this one? I did. The Little Sparrow. The Little Sparrow. This must be a... It's a female singer. Yes. Who sang... I don't know who it would be. Edith Piaf. Oh, the French singer. The Chanteuse. That was another nickname for okay. her. <laughs> and uh, this one you should know. Uh, he was called the Little Tramp. Oh, that's uh, Charlie Chaplin, of yeah. course. And this one I like, the Professional Virgin. The prof- <laughs> <laughs> Professional Virgin. Uh-huh. Who's that? Doris Day. Oh, okay. And and one, I'll just give you a few of his names. You, you should get it. Mr. Warmth, Mr. Potato Head, the Merchant of Venom. Oh, that is uh, Don Rickles. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Okay. And Mr. Potato Head, because he played Mr. Potato Head in the... Um, Toy Story. Toy Story, yeah. Very good. Okay, names. We know that uh, L. Frank Baum got the name Oz for his stories by looking at a... Uh, file cabinet drawer labeled O-Z, right? Yeah, you had that the, right, other, the right. other week. Okay, now how did Wicked, the author of Wicked, which was the recent play, a Broadway musical play, yeah. on, on Oz, how did Wicked author Jeffrey Maguire pay homage to L. Frank Baum by naming the witch? Now here's the name of the witch. He chose the name Elphaba. 
Alphabet. Alphabet. How does that relate to L. Frank Baum? Oh, that's the <laughs> initials. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. LFB. So he called her Alphabet. That's a, yeah, just an homage, just as pay tribute yeah. to where this came from. I like it. I thought that was cool too. I did. I, I knew about the Oz, but I didn't know that Alphabet got the name that way. All right. Do you like covered bridges? And now that we've got a covered bridge in our area here, one of the few in this part of the Midwest. But where is America's oldest covered bridge? What state is it located in? Is it Connecticut, Vermont, New York, or Massachusetts? My first thought was Massachusetts. That's what I would have thought. But it's actually in New York. We always think of New York is New York City, but of course, New York, upstate New York is like Wisconsin or yeah. Michigan. It's, uh-huh. you know, it's pretty rural. Um, and this one is near Cooperstown, New York, the oldest covered bridge still standing. How old do you think it is? Uh, well, I'll say 200. It's close to 200. It was okay. built in 1825. So we're coming up on the 200th anniversary. It's located outside of Cooperstown. It's called the Hyde Hall Bridge, and it was named for a mansion it once led to. It's 53 feet long, and it's the only covered bridge in Ostego County. It's also distinctive because most of the covered bridges have vertical boards on the side of the bridge, you know, from the ceiling to the floor. This has horizontal, real long horizontal siding. Anyway, almost 200 years old, and cars can still go across it and everything. Amazing. Yes, it is. That's it for the off-ramp. Bob and Marcia Smith, we just want to remind everyone, if they'd like to join us on the web, they can come to our site at theofframp.show. Now back to Robert P. Rickman with more on OK Boomer. Okay, thanks, Bob. And that wraps it up. Thanks to Kendall Boyson, Becky Salazar, and Kim Scheffner, Dick Taylor, Jill Graskowitz, Roger Ramjet, Bob and Marcia Smith, and Janice Paul. OK Boomers, produced in the studios of WDBX Radio in Carbondale, Illinois, and is also broadcast on WRFM Radio in Nashville, Tennessee. And you can find OK Boomer with Robert wherever you download your podcasts. Also, you can find OK Boomer on Facebook and check us out on robertrickman.net. All the words together, small case, robertrickman.net. And I'm Robert Rickman saying, we all have choices.